Welcome to Hannibal's Horny Bocce in Season 3. We are a weekly dinner party that watches and discusses an episode of Brian Fuller's Hannibal. I am Sonia, your friendly neighborhood true crime nerd. Let's go around the table and introduce the rest of the party. Hi, I'm Celeste. I'm an artist, a nerd, and I'm new to Hannibal. JJ, I'm a local filmmaker, local nerd, and the fanable of the three. This week we watched The Number of the Beast 666, yeah, which first aired in Canada August 20th, 2015. This episode gives me weird feelings. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? Oh, weird feelings. Feelings. <laughs> you guys know. Yeah. So every time I'm watching, I'm like, because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. No, so we start with Will visiting Hannibal's ex again. Adelia lets Will know that Hannibal let him have three years to have a family so he could take them away. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> is he, did he really go visit her or did he, is this just a therapy session? I think it's a therapy thing, yeah. Like, I don't know, like, have, they've started therapy, right? Like I don't think it really is therapy, but that seems to be the only context they can really talk to each other. So, I think it is and it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what they were in the beginning between Will and Hannibal. Their conversations. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think he, she, I don't think he's paying her or anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> but oh my god, the final thing it was said. It's canon. It's in there. Oh yeah, I was surprised and he, by and that. And Will says, "Is Hannibal in love with me?" And then Bedelia says, "Could he daily feel a stab of hunger for you, to feel nourishment at the very sight of you?" Yes. <laughs> but do you ache for him? And I'm like, yes. Yes! <laughs> the overdramatic look of Will when it is revealed Hannibal is in love with him and he has to think if he feels the same way. I know, right? <laughs> it reminds me of when Edward Nigma found out Oswald Cobblepot loved him on Gotham. It's just like, me? And then it gets dark in the background. <laughs> it's just like, it just, I, it just, it, it was both satisfying and infuriating. It's like, it took you fucking, you know, three seasons. <laughs> Whereas, like, uh, you've really, uh, Interviews have always, like, uh, 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 both uh, Hugh Dancy and Massive kind of played off uh, questions of, like, that. Is there a romance going on there, or is it just... And Hugh Dancy has always said, no, it's platonic, you know, it's something like this. I'm with like, Will. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm with but then uh, new interviews with Mass, uh, they asked him, so uh, just from an actor's perspective, they said, how were you playing it? Were you playing it as something platonic, or was it love? And Mass said, no way. Though I don't think Hannibal realized it at the time. But he says when he first met Will, it was probably love at first sight. But he wouldn't have known that at that time. Though he did come to that realization probably when he was in Venice. Whoa, that, that was love a long at first time, sight. Then. But he doesn't, he goes on to say what, he doesn't clarify what kind of love it is, so. I just got the sourish look on my face. I'm well, it's like, not, he doesn't even, even, like, neither of them have really claimed that it's a romantic love. It is love, but it's not the love that... A lot of us like to characterize love. Is mm. it, you know, straight love? Is it gay love? Is it blah, blah, blah? So we all get hung up on those kinds of labels. And that's supposed to be the cool thing about this is there's really no label for the kind of love that they have for each other. But still, I'm just making the point that it's canon now that they like I gotta, I gotta show us this picture. So, okay, here's a, uh, a gif of the scene with Will and the scene with Edward Nigma realizing that they love each other. I'll post it on the hand. We'll turn your brush. You're suggesting that I love. Uh, dramatic effect is in love. <laughs> Pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> and it's, uh, okay, I'll post that to the page. Hold on, I'm doing it now. But uh, here comes Jack to ruin everybody's Ooh, lives. Can I say a little something? Yes, you With may. their uh, conversation between Will and Bedelia, they mention Bluebeard. And that actually like caught my interest because um, J.J. Jo- uh, drove me home last time we recorded and I told her about this Korean drama that has like a crime big thing going on and actually mm. the person in there was inspired by Bluebeard so that's why it was like it caught my interest was like what is Bluebeard because I haven't really finished the drama yet mm. to actually know the story I just know that he's been kidnapping girls for because he wants them to be um, his wives and he needs seven girls so I was I'm going to read a little snippet. That's on. <laughs> oh, that's what you want to read. Okay, yeah, that's go. what I want to read. Okay. <laughs> All right, so like Bluebeard is a French folktale. The most uh, famous surviving version was written by Charles Perrault and was first published in 1697. Bluebeard is a wealthy and powerful yet frighteningly ugly nobleman who has been married several times to beautiful women who has mysteriously vanished. 
When Bluebeard visits his neighbor and asks to marry one of his daughters, the girls are terrified. Hosting a wonderful banquet, he chooses the youngest daughter to be his wife against her will, and she goes to live with him in his rich and luxurious palace in the countryside, away from her family. Bluebeard announces that he must leave for the country and give the keys to the castle to his wife. She is able to open any door in the house with him, each of which contains some of his riches, except for an underground chamber that he strictly forbids her to enter. <laughs> Thus she suffer his wrath. He then goes away and leaves the house and the keys in her hands. So yeah, you guys are which, know no, which door what's going to happen. <laughs> but she invites her sister Anne and her friends and cousins over for a party. But eventually, like the curiosity took over her and she wants to go check out the room. And she immediately discovers the room is filled with blood and the murdered corpses of Bluebeard's former wives hung on hooks from the walls. Horrified, she drops the key in the blood and frees the room. She tries to wash the blood off the key, but the key is magical and the blood cannot be removed. Fearing for her life, she reveals her husband's secret to her visiting sister, and they plan to both flee in the next morning, but Bluebeard unexpectedly comes back and finds the bloody key. Poor, poor girl. <laughs> in a blind rage, he threatened to kill her on the spot, but she asks for one last prayer with her sister Anne. At the last moment, as Bluebeard is about to deliver the fatal blow, the brothers of the wife and his sister Anne arrive and kill Bluebeard. The wife inherits his fortune and castle and has the dead wives buried. She uses the fortune to have her other siblings married and eventually remarries herself to a man she loves and moves on from her horrible experience with Bluebeard. So it was a happy ending, <laughs> which is great. But it's um, also really interesting to like know the story and then rewatch that scene where they discuss how... Bedelia, yeah, yeah, that Bedelia wanted to be the last wife because the last wife survives the story. <laughs> but I mean, we all know who's the last wife. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's so funny is I've heard the Bluebird tale before, but I've never heard the happy ending. Really? All, I heard, all I've ever heard was... Uh, Her dying? Yeah, that the, the last wife discovers this and that that's supposed to be the, the cautionary tale. The end. Is that, you know, it's implied that she dies again and Bluebeard goes to find the other wa- another wife again. I've never maybe heard the happy ending. Maybe that was the, the story of the last wife. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe someone was just telling me that. Or whoever told me or wherever I watched it didn't read the rest of the fairy tale and just left it there. Like, that sounds better. <laughs> but it's definitely like different from the Korean drama. It's called Strong... Uh, Strong Girl Boonsoon, a uh, Bangsoon, and it's on Netflix if you guys are interested to watch because it's really mm. interesting and amazing. So I recommend it. All right, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, back. No, that's cool. but, <laughs> but that's my little research. I never really done the research on this podcast. I before. thought you were gonna read a fanfic. I was like, oh, fanfic. Good. <laughs> I know you're like fanfic <laughs> like, in <yeah>. my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. I'm glad you did that. Oh that yeah, that's fun. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but um, Hannibal. Uh, Jack plays into Hannibal's web by confirming by saying to Hannibal that he is God. <laughs> so I'm like, oh. That would make you God in this universe, he tells him, basically. And I'm like, no one has control in this universe. Hannibal has all the strings. And this is where he's referred to as the devil. Yeah. In this episode. What did you think about that, JJ? Sorry, I'm distracting you. She's on the phone. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, sorry, work was texting me. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. What was your question? <laughs> he refers to Hannibal as the devil. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like, he is the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I know we usually all refer to evil people as the devil, but it's just like his case. It's true. In his his case, like I like it almost feels weird to even give him such the title of the devil. But it almost feels like yeah, if if the devil wanted to be incarnate on your on Earth, it might be fucking Hannibal in this universe. It just it almost felt like a too much of a compliment at the same time. Like nothing less. Well, we did comment how he's like this. Shoulder devil. <laughs> yeah. But also, too, it's just like, you also have to look from the point of view of the devil, where the devil really thought the way he saw the world was right. Uh-huh. And he, God was like, no. So, punishment sent him to the underworld. No, no, I see, I see. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, and I don't, I don't want to say that Hannibal thinks he's right all the time, but, like, it's just puts himself on the same pedestal as the gods which is god and the devil yeah who look at life indiscriminately and if they should die then they should die you know because mm-hmm. life will go on and he just he literally has this ability to just not fucking care yeah. and it's just it's infallible to humans because it's just 
you know, we have feelings, you know, we feel things and he just doesn't seem to care. And it's just so rare to come across it across such a creature such as Hannibal. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it's, I find it weird that they compared Jack to a god. Yeah. Because I don't really see him as a god. Yeah, because he's, he's infallible. Like, he, every plan he has had has ended in somebody being hurt. Yeah, <laughs> mostly. But in the end, like, the kind of the ends justi- justify the means. So he know? isn't a god. No. So it was kind of like a weird greater good, in which oh, you could yeah. think of it in a godly way like that, whereas God usually thinks, uh, hands out disasters and all this stuff to kind of put balance back in the world, whether we ha- like to think, it, think of it that way or not. That always seems to, when something bad happens, there's a, a, usually a nature a will... There's not necessarily a reason we agree with or understand, but it always seems to send a balance back out into the world. And in this weird universe, Jack, despite, like, you know, it's like, I don't even know how he's still at the FBI, but somehow, <laughs> whatever he does creates results, whether certain people are living or certain people are dead, you know? Well, I guess in, like, in a sense, because Hannibal compared to, um, like, God making sacrifices, yeah. and that's all yeah. Jack does is make yeah, sacrifices. Says, all gods demand sacrifices, mm-hmm. and that's what everyone's doing the both jack and hannibal but i like i think everybody's on hannibal's meal prep list like this season like everybody's a potential meal i think i'll make a good chili how about everybody else like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think he'd make out of you that's funny that um, you said chili <laughs> that's, that's what dan calls chilton he calls him chili tea i call him chili willy yeah. <laughs> uh i don't know i don't know i feel like i'd be a fatty food Give them a little chubby. <laughs> but you know, I think I'd make an okay goulash. Put a little cheese whiz in there, you know. <laughs> I'm just going to go with the old-fashioned hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> a risotto. I'd be some kind of ground beef. So. <laughs> I think we'd all be ground beef. I think so. <laughs> Knock on wood. Hopefully we're not. But I want to kill Will for imagining Alana as a dragon victim. I was so pissed. Like, don't you dare touch her and her beautiful boobs. Like, <laughs> beautiful. Well, that was a really nice outfit she was wearing. I was like, wow. Mm. I, could. <laughs> I would. You but. could wear that. Oh, yeah. I, just, I, don't want to have to, don't, I don't want to have to go look for the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole plan of Jack and Will's is terrible. Like, it is a horrible plan. I don't know why they thought Late it would work. So many plans, so they're like, all right, plan C it is. Plan F. Plan Z. <laughs> it's like, what do they think would work? It's just like, but I do love that jump cut from Alana's, like, it would only be a fool that would fall for this, and then they cut immediately to children. I know. <laughs> it made me laugh. It's like they finally found a use for him. <laughs> Ah, Chilly Willy, I love that guy. <laughs> but I love how Hannibal looks like such a bitch in that empty cell. Like he's just looking at Chilton, like, oh. I know, right? And just like when he like you know throws the magazine in there, and Hannibal just looks at it for a second, and looks back up at him, and he's just he's just so delightfully amused at how pissed off he made Chilton, <coughs> and he, honest to God, just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> and it's just, it's both frustrating, but also just adorable. I wish Chilton and Hannibal had more interactions. Like, their snark makes me smile. And Hannibal tells uh, Chilton, fate has a habit of not letting us choose our own endings. Yeah, Hannibal knows. I know, another thing I kind of wish I could stitch on a pillow. (laughs) Fate has a habit of not letting us choose our own endings. And I was like... (laughs) You can learn how to cross stitch. (laughs) I I really should. Stitch this all on pillows. Um, Me and my sister actually took... Like a little class of that in elementary school. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But we just like uh, sued in like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I remember my friend tried to teach me cross stitching, and I don't want to like put down my friend, but I swear she's just probably just the worst teacher because everything Aww. she tries to ever, she also tried to teach me how to play magic or something. And I just remember being so bored. <laughs> Even though I have a remote interest in what she was trying to teach me, it just I just it just must have been her and the way she teaches, I guess. There's I was, no pizzazz. In yeah, I was like, God, this is boring. Can we do something? <laughs> I still love her. I still talk to her occasionally, but still it's just like it's like, dude, this is boring. Can we do <laughs> but I really love in the scene when they get rid of Hannibal's eye light. There's a specific part of the scene where they get rid of it, and his black eyes look so freaking demonic. I don't know if they like intentionally took more color out of it. I'll pull up the scene. Hold on, talk who, amongst yourselves. Who has black eyes? Hannibal. 
Like, hold on, okay. Oh, you mean like the 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 lighting in there? The I thought you meant like literal, oh, like look, he, someone punched in black eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, oh, I wish. <laughs> I was like, what? Right here. Hold on, I got the scene. I got the scene. Again, that's all masses uh, bone structure. Oh, I got scene. I think I know what you're talking about. I noticed that too. I know, right? Doesn't he just look demonic? Yeah. And he looks like a skull. It looks so cool. I really like how Chilton tried to threaten him with that. I'm just going to leave an extra copy of my book right over here. Personalized it for you. And then that, that note says, go suck it. Yeah. <laughs> Sign Chilton. That's so cute how like Hannibal still like light. Thank you, Frederick. Yeah, just like, that was you know what? I've cute. considered naming a future offspring Frederick just because of the way Hannibal says it. Frederick. Frederick. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if I'd name any kid Fred. That feels mean. <laughs> Freddy? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't think I could. Well, I'm shocked Chilton didn't use an ugly photo of Hannibal for his book. I was really surprised by that. Like, he could have used, like, There's uh, no such thing. Yeah. <laughs> An unflattering photo, then. Because, like, freaking uh, Freddie Lowndes used a few unflattering photos of Hannibal. So. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, like, where he was, like, out of focus and stuff. But, yeah. But, uh, I really, like, so we come to the scene where they're interviewing Chilton and Will. And I really, really love uh, Freddie Lowndes' awesome-ass microphone. Like, oh, my God, it looks so cool. Like, it's so fancy. And my company has the same tripod as her, so I really, really like I was really freaking out when I saw the little tripod she had. Oh, shit, you reminded me that I wanted to go up and buy a tripod. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Make yourself a note. Yes, I will. But Chilton's profile of the dragon is actually right and proves he's not just a dumbass. So I really appreciated that note in the story. Mm -hmm. uh, I do love how Chilton called the dragon a child of a nightmare. Poor, poor Chilly Willy. I'm going to miss him. <laughs> I am going to miss him. Oh, someone else distract me from my pain. <laughs> uh, so it's just, you know, he keeps putting himself in danger of, like, interacting with all these criminals because, you know, he wants to get rich. But I don't think this time it was his fault. I think he was... Um, I think he was screwed into this, doing this. Like, oh yeah, he definitely was. But he mm. he went along with it because you know he wanted the money, money. You know yeah. how he is. because you know he wanted to be part of like this whole thing, and like everybody else just excluded him. <laughs> <laughs> so so finally they're like, all right, children, come on, let's help us out. And he's like, oh right, this is my moment to shine. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like a poor, moment to shine. He was like a poor puppy that got lured in, and then there was just. Well, I think he suspects puppy. something's going on, too, because, like, when he looks at Will for saying certain things as it comes up, and he, I think he knows they're setting him up, which is really bothersome to me. Well, didn't they explain everything to him? Well, they didn't tell him what they were trying to do. They were just telling him, like, oh, yeah, we need somebody to speak to Freddy as an expert on this type of person, like, to, to, um, to actually add evidence to Will's statements about what he's saying about the dragon. Oh. Well, that's so, a dick move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't tell him, because they think, they, they, dumb, they dumbly think that Will is going to be the one that gets attacked by the dragon. And they don't realize that... Oh, Will doesn't think so, though. Will doesn't mm. think... As we find later, Will doesn't think it's going to happen. But, mm -mm. but this seems like a good time to segue into this week's Under the Table True Crime segment. Bing! <laughs> this week's segment is on the Zodiac Killer and Paul Avery. So It's a long one, so get, settle in. All right, okay. Everyone, all right, everyone, all right. Everyone, all right hold on. Oh, wait. I haven't finished my last one. Never mind. <laughs> but I, I will pull it over here. <laughs> So the Zodiac Killer, or Zodiac, was a serial killer who operated in Northern California from at least the late 1960s to the early 1970s. The killer's identity remains unknown. Zodiac murdered victims in Benicia, Veljo, Lake Berryessa, and San Francisco between December 1968 and October 1969. Four men and three women between the ages of 16 and 29 were targeted. The killer originated the name Zodiac in a series of taunting letters sent to the local Bear Area Press. Letters included four cryptograms, or ciphers. Of these four sent, only one has been definitely solved. Although the Zodiac claimed 37 murders in letters to newspapers, investigators agree on only seven confirmed victims, two of whom survived. They are David Faraday and Betty Jensen, uh, 17 and 16 respectively, who were shot and killed on December 20th, 1968, on Lake Herman Road within the city limits of Benicia. 
Michael Magno, 19, and Darlene Farron, 22, shot on July 4th, 1969, in the parking lot of a Blue Rock Springs Park in Valhalla, in Valo, I think that's how you pronounce it. While Magno survived the attack, Farron was pronounced dead on arrival at Kaiser Foundation Hospital. Brian Hartner, 20, and Cecilia Shepard, 22, stabbed on September 27, 1969, at Lake Berryessa in Napa County. Hartnell survived eight stab wounds to the back, but Shepard died as a result of her injuries on September 29, 1969. Paul Stein... 29 was shot and killed on October 11th, 1969, in the Presidio Heights neighborhood in San Francisco. The first murders widely attributed to the Zodiac were the shootings of high school students Betty Jensen and David Faraday. Uh, the couple were on their first date and planned to attend a Christmas concert at Hogan High School about three blocks from Jensen's home. The couple instead visited a friend before stopping at a local restaurant and then driving out on Lake Herman Road. At about 10.15, Faraday parked his mother's rambler in a gravel turnabout, which was a well-known lover's lane. Utilizing available forensic data, it was postulated that another car pulled into the turnabout just prior to 11 and parked beside the couple. The killer apparently exited the second car and walked towards the rambler, possibly ordering the couple out of the car. Jensen's appeared to have exited the car first. Uh, yet when Faraday was halfway out, the, ki the killer apparently shot Faraday in the head. Fleeing from the killer, Jensen was gunned down 28 feet from the car with five shots to their, her back. Oh. The killer then drove off. Yeah. Just before midnight on July 4th, 1969, De Darlene Farron and Michael Magno drove into the Blue Rock Springs Park in Valaho, four miles from the Lake Herman Road murder site, and parked. While the couple sat in Farron's car, a second car drove into the lot and parked alongside them, but almost immediately drove away. Returning about ten minutes later, this second car parked behind them. The driver of the second car then exited the vehicle, approaching the passenger side door of Farron's car carrying a flashlight and a 9mm Luger gun. Uh, the killer directed the flashlight into Magno's and Farron's eyes before shooting at them. Firing five times, both victims were hit and several bullets had passed through Magno and into Farron. The killer walked away from the car, but upon hearing Magno's moaning, returned and shot each victim twice more before driving off. Farron was pronounced dead at the hospital. Magno survived the attack despite being shot in the face, neck, and chest. Magno described her atta his attacker as a 26 to 30 year old man, 195 pounds, 200 pounds, or possibly even more, and 5'8", with short, light brown, curly hair, and white male. On August 1st, 1969, three letters prepared by the killer were received at the Valho Times, Herald, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner. The nearly identical letters subsequently described by a psychiatrist to have been written by someone who you would expect to be brooding and isolated took credit for the shootings at Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs. Each letter also included one-third of a 408 symbol, 408 symbol cryptogram, which the killer claimed contained his identity. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, <go ahead. laughs> the killing demanded that they be printed on each paper's front page or he would cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend the Chronicle published its third of the cryptogram on page four of the next day's edition. An article printed alongside the code quoted Valo Police Chief Jack Stentz as saying, we're not satisfied that the letter was written by the murderer, and requested the writer send a second letter with more facts to prove his identity. The threatened murders did not happen, and all three parts were eventually published. August 7, 1969, another letter was received at the San Francisco Examiner with the salutation, Dear Editor, this is Zodiac speaking. This was the first time that the killer had used this name for identification. The letter was a response to Chief Stett's request for more details that would prove he had killed Faraday, Jensen, and Farron. In it, the Zodiac included details about the murders which had not been released to the public, as well as a message to the police that, they, that when they crack the, his code, they will have me. August 8, 1969, Donald and Betty Harden of Salinas, California, cracked the 408, 408 symbol cryptogram. It contained a misspelled, misspelled message in which the killer said he was collecting slaves for the afterlife. No name appears in the decoded text, and the killer said he would not give away his identity because it would slow down or stop his slave collection. The letter read... I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. To kill something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is they, when I die, I will be reborn again in paradise and they I have killed. 
will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop me by collecting my slaves for the afterlife. And a bunch of random letters. Uh, the meaning of any of the final 18 letters has not been determined. Cuckoo. Yeah. Cuckoo. <laughs> that was JJ. <laughs> Paul Avery, who was born April 2nd, 1934, and died on December 10th, 2000, was an American journalist best known for his reporting on the serial killer known as the Zodiac. At the time of the Zodiac killing, Avery was a police reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. For a long time, it was thought that the Zodiac's activities were limited to the Bay Area, but Avery discovered a 1966 murder in Riverside that he linked to the Zodiac. The Zodiac soon wrote Avery, misspelling his name as Averly, and he mailed him a Halloween card warning, You are doomed. The friend of the card read, From your secret pal, I feel it in my bones. You ache to know my name, and so I'll clue you in. Then inside, Bo Wai spoiled the game. Just as quickly as the threat was made public, a fellow journalist made up hundreds of campaign-style buttons worn by nearly everyone on the Chronicle staff, including Avery, that said, I am not Paul Avery. It was at this time that Avery began carrying a 38 caliber revolver. Avery was portrayed by Robert Downey Jr. in the awesome 2007 film Zodiac. Uh, the film details his involvement in the Zodiac case, including his discovery of the 1966 Riverside murder, the threat on his life, the I am not Avery buttons, and friendship with cartoonist-turned-Zodiac expert Robert Graysmith, who wrote the book, mm. as well as his eventual physical decline, including his abuse of cocaine and alcohol, ending with a brief mention of his fatal illness. So yeah, it was pretty creepy Zodiac's relationship with the press. So, and if you wanted to look up the cryptograms, they are on Wikipedia. They still have not been solved. Mm. Yeah, so. yeah the, the films are actually pretty good. I remember one time watching it while I was uh, wrapping Christmas presents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed like the film to be watching while I was <laughs> wrapping Christmas and child's Christmas presents, no less. <laughs> I remember I, I, like, I only wrapped three presents because I spent most of the time just actually watching <laughs> The movie. It actually is a pretty good movie. It is really good, yeah. yeah. What I love is the actor that they got to portray the Zodiac is like they picked the one that is the most popular theory of what he actually looked like and all this stuff. And I thought, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that also has that my my most favorite scary scene in any movie because nothing happens. So Robert Graysmith's in the basement of the guy they suspect of being the Zodiac and there's somebody walking around upstairs and he's like, is there anyone else here? And the guy they suspect of being the Zodiac is like, no one else is here. And it keeps happening. Mm -hmm. It's like the creepiest story in the history of time. I, I hate that scene, but it's so good. <laughs> I think the creepiest one for me is like, I, I kind of feel bad for, uh, well, at the same time I don't, but at the same time I do. Uh, it's just unfortunate. Uh, there's that one story from a cop where... Uh, they put out an AP, uh, I think it was after the taxi, the taxi incident, um, they put out, uh, you know, a, a call out for uh, what it, who, what they thought that, what the witness said they uh, saw, saw a person leaving, and somehow it all got scrambled into, go find a, a black male. Oh, no. And it's like, oh, it's so typical. <laughs> but anyway, um, it was uh, updated too late, but a cop supposedly stopped. The Zodiac Killer, uh, before he went, he was walking down the street or something, and he was like, yeah, have you seen this and that? We're just looking for a man who blah, 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 and it was just all this, and the guy's like, nope, all good. And then the cop just kind of, you know, just gave him one last look. It was like, okay, right, off you go. And then he got, they got updated on what the guy was, so that means, that, and that cop was like, holy shit. That was a Zodiac. I think I, I think I just talked to him and let him go, you know, so it was just, so there was... <laughs> A cop actually did, potentially, we still don't know if it's true, but at least after witness testimony and what they think he looked like and blah, 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 and what the cop saw, they're pretty darn sure that this cop had actually stopped and talked to the Zodiac, but because of the wrong description, he was let go. Oh, wow. So they so. actually show a scene in, of him approaching, hold on, this is the, the scene where he kills the couple at the lake from the movie Zodiac. Right, so we're starting in the week. Oh, what I didn't mention is he wore a hood, yeah. uh, an executioner's hood, when he killed people.
But I'm going to cut it before it gets to the worst scene. Uh, so there's a scene where he stabs them. And, like, it's the most gruesome stabbing scene I've ever seen in a movie because they don't die immediately. He keeps doing it. Yeah. Oh, it freaked me out. And also they show the scene where the Zodiac picked up a woman and her baby. And the woman suspected something was going on. And the guy just told her, like, before I kill you, I'm going to throw your baby out the window. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> like, I saw this movie in the theater with my sister. And we're just freaking out the whole time. So, yeah, he's still out there. But that's, like, I, I like as horrible and disgusting as it is, that's actually very accurate. And I'm glad that, you know, sometimes movies take that opportunity to show you what it's actually like to get stabbed. Nobody fucking dies right away. Yeah. It's very rare to die right away. If anything, it's very painful. It's very excruciating. Half the time, the reason you stop moving or go quiet is because your body goes into shock. Mm -hmm. So you're not actually dead yet, but you're... You're dying. You're, you're you are dying, but yeah. Oh, wow. But yeah, no one rarely ever... like if you see Now when you watch movies and you see people die right away, just be like, you wouldn't fucking die that quickly. <laughs> just, you would take... That wound would take at least five to ten minutes, sometimes excruciatingly up to an hour to die. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> The, like as horrible as that is to watch that scene it's realistic it's yeah. realistic and it's accurate so mm -hmm. it's just really depressing like that movie is really good it's one of my favorite movies because it's not yeah. about the, the exploitation of like ooh true crime it's an mm. actual look at like what these people had to do to try and find this horrible man and yeah, really good. I watched a recent documentary on Netflix, uh, Evil Genius, mm -hmm. and it's about that, I don't know if you guys recall a case where a guy had a lock around his neck and it blew up, mm -hmm. and he was robbing a bank or something. Yeah, I, I, I told uh, my homie Sage to look it up because he's writing for a true crime series. Mm. Yes. Well, anyway, that's what that series is about. Oh, yeah. And as much as I, I really, like, I half enjoyed it, like, I, I really like the cinematography, I like the way they, they did a lot of the research, but it's still very, um... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, sensationalized. Yeah, I hate those. Yeah, and it's just like as much as I want to like it, very much. They're really like, like, look at this, look at this crazy lady. Look at this. It was a conspiracy. It was all these guys. And I'm just like, like even though at the end he acknowledges the person who, the guy who died, with that bomb around his neck. He comes back to that as his ending note was, did he actually be, was he actually part of it or was he actually a victim? Mm. He like gives him a little footnote there. But still, I was just like, as much as I love to learn about true crime, it just still gets frustrating when it gets really sensationalized. Well, uh, I was at Hot Docs, like hopefully they don't sue me, but uh, there, was a <laughs> there was a documentary being pitched about um, a woman who had survived a serial killer. Like I won't mention which one because yeah. it's, a, it's supposed to be like uh, on the down most. Yeah, yeah. But she mentions uh, how much people will harass her, like people who are fans of the serial killer that she, like I did quote fingers in the air, fans of the serial killer and harass her for information or just like bug her at home and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that really bothers me. It's like, I'm I, like, I'm into true crime, but I'm not into, like, going to harass some poor old woman, like, for, like, oh, yeah, did you know this guy? Like, sort of stuff. Like, it just bothersome to me. Like, <laughs> But, yeah, moving on. So, we finally get to the scene where we find out what, what Francis thought of Chilton's, uh, <laughs> Chilton's thingy. So. His interview, but, yeah. Yeah, but I really like that Francis seems to have panty liners in his home for some reason. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, didn't they, they say his home used to be uh, a hospital? Yeah, like uh, an old folks' home. old folks' home. So that's just very common. Yeah, there's just you know what uh, what's that called? Incontinence. Incontinence. Yeah. So it, it happens. So. He's very resourceful. <laughs> yeah, using like, it. And they're also uh, what should we call it? They are uh, sterile. Like pads are sterile. Sterile. You could use them as bandages. Not that what people would want to. Like some people are babies, but yeah, like it's just some. Uh, but well, it's still a thing that'll absorb blood. Yeah, now, exactly. So just like, put go it on for the it. Moon, yeah. <laughs> but I've heard someone isolate the audio of Chilton's breath from this scene. In this scene, in the book and movie, it was Freddie Lowndes in Chilton's place. Mm. Lowndes was burned alive in the wheelchair by the dragon after atoning to the dragon. I really like how they keep the burning wheelchair in the show as a reference to Freddie in this universe, mm. as if to say, "You're next bitch." Yeah. So it was really cool. I like that. But yeah, somebody isolated all the like little mewing noises and stuff of Chilton, and I'm like, okay, I, you guys are all perverts. I'm gonna listen. <laughs> it's always them in pain, right? Yeah. Or, or scared, and it's just like, it's like, okay, guys, this is just getting weird. <laughs> like when somebody isolated the audio of Hannibal shoving a pipe into into Will's throat. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's just like, ugh, come on, guys. Like, Come on. I was like, damn it. <laughs> Stop it. 
Stop it, you all. Like, okay. you know what? Like, like, okay. The show is very serious. It's very dark. And it's okay to, uh, I think, to have a little fun with it. Just because, you know, it is so serious and sometimes we need to laugh. Yeah. But, like, and even though it's a show and it's not real, it's like, I still think, you know, that, that should be in the back of your mind still. You know, just... This has happened to people. These yeah. are like, you know, let's just keep for a split second. Let's keep, let's, keep, let's stay human. <laughs> While we're having fun, let's stay human. Yeah, these, <laughs> may, these two may be two sexy men, but it's two sexy men that's about to kill each other. Yeah, right? it's like, let's, so. just, let's keep the context here. But shout out to Rallis Barza for his acting in this scene because his fear is so palliable. I really love that. Like, because you can tell he's terrified. I love that. Like, he's really going to be killed. I thought that he sounded pretty, like, innocent and cute. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, like, wanted to pretend. I know, because it's like he hasn't done anything. Like, leave him alone. Like, oh. But I love the way the camera shows Franz is towering over Chilton. Chilton looks like he's nailed to the floor. And uh, and shout out to how terrifying it was when Francis started rocking the wheelchair. How did that freak me out? It made me jump. <laughs> oh, I have a question. So they, uh, Chilton mentioned that his back is, he thought he was burned. Do he's you glued, think? He's glued to the Oh, table. he's glued? Yeah. For some reason, I thought that... Uh, Francis tattooed him or something. <laughs> That's why he needed like ice later. <laughs> but they didn't like mention anything. I guess they showed like a little like a uh, bit of his arm. Yeah, like rip it, like attached to the thing. Yeah, Ooh, that was so creepy. Yeah. yeah, so he's glued to the he's glued to the to the wheelchair just so he can't leave. But but oh, like the whole scene where Reba shows up, Francis acts like he totally got ta- caught masturbating or something. Like, ooh. Well, well, in a way, kind of. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, if anything's more intimate and very personal to a killer, it's that when you're in the midst of killing someone, it is like, you could comparatively put it to, it's like being caught masturbating. Mm-hmm. So, it's a very personal thing. <laughs> And I really like that scene about how he shot through the glass, like only his mouth being visible. That was pretty cool. I love that shot. And my heart breaks seeing Reba just trying to be nice. I know. <laughs> she bought him soup. I know. It's like, in this world, if you love someone, you bring them soup, evidently. <laughs> it's like that time someone else may know brought somebody else soup. While they're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you brought me soup once. No, <laughs> but no I think this is a big thing about someone if, you're, if you like go out of your way do them a favor like that you know it's like i think that says speaks volumes you don't have to say anything it's like here's some soup <laughs> i think like the first time um me and my best friend like really like hung out i got like sick and she bought me soup right away so i like i knew she was a keeper <laughs> yeah right <laughs> uh but did, did anyone else get the sense that uh reba knew somebody was there else was there uh i think so because like you know she was because she was like she looked around just casually, like, I think she sensed somebody was there. Well, she always seems to be, like, she always noticed there's something in the room, mm-hmm. even if it's quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I, which really freaked me out when Francis is like, if you say anything, I'm going to kill her. And yeah. I'm like, but, I, but I also think, too, um, I think uh, Francis sensed that, that she sensed that there was somebody in the room, because... The fact that she like turned her head towards the room, like kind of like, looked directly at children, and looked right at him. Yeah, it was like it, I think she knew there was something wrong. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just him being, you know, Francis being Francis. <laughs> there was something wrong. So, mm-hmm. and I think that what escalated to the part, part of the reason anyway. I think was uh-huh. he has to clean up now everything. Yeah, half the reason for the kidnapping later. So. And now we're at the most homoerotic slideshow in the history of fiction. <laughs> and Will is totally at fault for what happens to Chilton. I am blaming him for everything for what happens. <laughs> oh, but it's like... Ugh. It's <laughs> so like, sweet. too much tongue, too much tongue. <laughs> Get away. <laughs> Start again. <laughs> Just be friends. <laughs> but the way Francis delivers the line, you recognize nothing. I love the delivery of that line. Oh, it's so much better than the movie... The movie, um, he's torturing uh, Freddie Lowndes. And in this scene, it's a, like, because that scene in the movie is pretty scary, too. But like in this scene, you feel like the actor is actually going to be killed. Like, it was such a good scene. I love it. Well, it, I made, it made me feel like uh, children's, like, he's going to let children go. Yeah, like that like, hope. Yeah. yeah, that hope that I felt for him. Because he didn't, like, really, like, harm him. 
during the whole thing until you know yeah, yeah until later, <laughs> <laughs> way later. Uh, like wrote something here too i was like like children is weak but he's a survivor and honestly i'm surprised he lasted so long <laughs> yeah <laughs> i guess that's the false hope given to you it's like well well he or i guess it's not false hope because he does live but just like no nah, he'll get through this he survived all these other killers he'll be just fine but i don't know like at the same time i was like if i was actually glued to a chair i would have I would automatically feel like a sinking feeling. I don't have much time. Well, yeah, I don't have much time, and I don't know if I have much chance to get out of here without ripping off my own skin. Because mm. that, because if you were tied with a rope or something like that, that means they do eventually plan to move you from that spot. But being fucking glued to a chair, I'd be like, they really didn't want me to move. Because that's actually quite a process to re-release your skin from from glue and all that. So that was my first thought was like, or that would be my first thought, is I'm not moving from this chair for a very long time. He's a hairy man too, so that's... Yeah, like eventually your sweat would help release some of that, but you would still need probably something to scrape off that glue. But but it's still gonna damage your skin. So well, didn't they use glue for the um for the body mosaic in season two? Like there was a whole scene where he had to rip himself free from that too. It'd be oh. a similar thing. <laughs> but the no, but that was he uh, sewed it on. yeah he sewed it on and like there was some glue. I think. That was also uh uh it uh, wasn't necessarily glue. It was like that uh, resin resin. It's like yeah that's meant to like freeze you in place. It's used to preserve you know stuff. Whereas I don't I wouldn't count that as glue. Nah. Well, glue and stuff that sticks. Some, yeah, something, something sticky. But um, my favorite scene when Francis removes his mask and Chilton just frantically starts shaking his head. That was so fucking scary. Like, just like rips it off and well, he's like, no. Well, yeah, right? It's like when a killer shows you their face, that you're means gonna you're going to die. Yeah. It's like, there, all hope is gone. If the, you know, <laughs> be like, and he knows, like, <laughs> like, Chilton knows this too. Like Chilton knows this. Like the second that he shows you his face, mm-hmm. you're gonna die. Yeah, that's why he said that he didn't want to see his face. Yeah, at it's all. like I don't want to see your face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm way too interested. Way too interested in Francis's underwear. <laughs> it's really nice. It, underwear. I have to agree with you <laughs> on that. <laughs> Also, I've used that exact model of camera at my videography job, so I feel like a pervert. <laughs> so I'm just like, that's my camera at work, damn it. Like, that's all I'm going to think about now when I see it. <sighs> <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> but P.S., uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Chilton is naked the whole time. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Like, That's why it hurts even more that he's glued to a chair. <laughs> even his legs? Was it where his legs glued well, to a chair? Yeah, at the bottom of his thighs. The bottom of his hips, yeah. That's kind of like where his balls glued to the chair, too. But I, <laughs> I guess when a man sits, it's kind of, I guess it's, you know what, I don't know. I always want to I'm going to have to go look at my husband. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be like, be naked, sit in a chair. I just need to check something. <laughs> okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, he'd probably do it too. <laughs> he was like, he'd probably be like, okay, and then it's like, is something good gonna happen, or is this literally just you know science? It's <laughs> just, just it's science. science. <laughs> but we see uh, Chilton's the scar from Chilton's uh, from Gideon's surgery in season one on Chilton's stomach. That mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Call out. I, I yeah, I saw all his scars, stomach. Cheek. Yep, he's pretty. He's no. a he's patchwork of horribleness. <laughs> that reminds me. Like I know uh, at the beginning of the season, we saw Will's scar on his forehead. Is it me? Or is it starting to fade a little? Because it's supposed to be I three guess, years ahead. Yeah, but it still feels very faded. It feels like it fades a little more each episode, or maybe his hair is just in the way or something. I don't know. I it's, just I think it's hair. It's just I, I barely noticed his forehead scar anymore. So. Nah. Oh, yeah, the, you know what? I'm gonna look one, it up. Yeah, the one on his head. Yeah, I didn't really. I could be wrong. Notice me, it. Well, exactly. I feel like it's a thing you would notice. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me just take a look. But I wanted to say the effects work on Chilton's mouth when uh, friend, uh, when the dragon bites his lips off. Mm. That was the best effects work ever. Oh, and, so gross. But, but it looked like a freaking like it looked like if you didn't know what was happening, it looks kind of. Homoerotic. <laughs> but then he b- bites off his lips, and so it's like, Ew. I thought he bit off his tongue at first. That's what I thought too, like the first time I saw it, but then I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like thinking of it now, I'm so gross. Let uh, me pull it up, let me pull it no, up. No, I don't <laughs> want to see it. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, okay. I won't play that part. <laughs> okay, his scar is there, but it is super faded. Like in the photo of them standing together. It's faded. It's faded yeah. yeah, it's not even with his hair combed back. 
you know, like relatively neat. Well, I thought it was, well, no, it was a deep cut. Yeah. 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 Notice how lifeless Will looks in this photo. He's dark Will. Yeah. Evil Will. He lost the Will. It's <laughs> <laughs> like an animal man. Yeah. How humiliated Miss Chilton feels though that he has to record this for like the FBI and they're gonna see him like well I guess that like he has more thing more things to worry about than the fact that he's gonna be I naked on this video, but mm. do any can to survive. Have the camera work. <laughs> you did very well. Let me go now. Yeah. Hello. Hello. There's one way I can help you better. Just that. I don't want to watch okay. this again. Big <laughs> 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 uh, man, poor Chilton. Poor Chilly Willy. <laughs> he like did not deserve any of this. Yeah. I mean, he's been like a little brat since the beginning, but just but he is totally harmless. He sounds so small in that whole scene. <laughs> but uh, so, Dragon sends Hannibal an appetizer. <laughs> the scene where Hannibal sucks up the lips yeah. like fucking spaghetti scared <laughs> the shit out of me the first time I saw it. <laughs> that scared me. I had a nightmare about it. <laughs> like, I thought that was just yeah. Call me disgusting. I thought that was so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> then I laughed. Only because, only just, okay, I was, obviously I blocked out what he's actually, you know, eating, but just that whole glare and I was like, <laughs> 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 just like, fucking, excuse me, as a gay, good, good, good. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, you got it. See, he even made a completely different sound. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is the show? They know they get, they're canceled, so they're just trying to get away with everything that they can. I know, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's great, though. It's just I love. You know what I love too is just the fact H Hannibal is just smiling the entire time. Like it's like I'm sorry, Jack. This whole thing just put me in a good humor. <laughs> and it's like you bitch. I wish Alana had chased Hannibal in the balls for that comment. <laughs> so, because like, what like he he eats Chilton's mouth and uh, like Chilton's lips and then he's like I'm having a great day basically yeah. is what he's saying I'm like <laughs> but oh it just bothers me sorry it sounded like a car starting up <laughs> it sounded like something so Hannibal or no uh, so on the video that they see from Chilton that the Red Dragon made him uh, videotape mm. ha uh, Chilton says from my own lips you will learn a little more to dread. <laughs> oh, so I wanted to ask you guys a question regarding uh, Will watching that video and, you know, how he kind of, like, at once Chilton starts screaming, you know, he, like, puts his head in his hands and he's just like, oh, God, like, you get that feeling of, like, oh, God, oh, God. But to me, I was like, was Will scared or was he excited? He was and that's excited why, and, and that's why he was getting upset, you know, because afterwards you learn that, you know, he was aware of what he was doing, and he probably felt powerful again because he he killed Chilton. He yeah, he was part of you know hurting Chilton. So it was just so to me, I was like, I don't think that was uh, you know like oh my god. It was more like oh my god, <laughs> like I think I like that. <laughs> I had this power to do it. I think yeah. it's like uh, horror at himself <laughs> for getting getting excited by it. Yeah, so like obviously Will clears it up with the next. Uh, scene with Bedelia in their so-called weird conversation slash therapy session where it's like you play you pay and it's I think it goes to show that Will actually is you can blame his empathy if you want but I actually think Will is actually a psychopath he's going crazy yeah and like he has the same psychopathic curiosity because he used it he was curious what would happen though and he said himself that he wasn't surprised what happened to Chilton, you know? Which gives really good motivation to, for why they did such a stupid plan, because he he wanted it to happen. I think it's why he went along with it, really. It was just, he was like, I don't think I'll get hurt. He's it was like, and if I do, I have backup, whereas Chilton wow. doesn't. So. Yeah. Question I wanted to ask you, did Dragon drop off those lips at the prison himself? How did they get there so fast? <laughs> like, because they were in the mail, and they were fresh. Like, ugh. It's Ooh. possible that he might have, but I don't know if he would risk 
doing that. I think it's, some, it's sometimes as simple as just dropping it off at, uh, to like, uh, yeah, that's a good question because there was no postage on it, eh? Yeah, I think he dropped them off. I think he did, but then, wow, that's risky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the only thing that kind of bugs me in this uh, whole universe is that sometimes they don't explain a few of the practical things just like that. It's like... Yeah. Let me see. Oh, hold on. I'm just gonna check the. I'm gonna check the mail. On it. it don't look so less. It's uh. <laughs> but yeah. So just to keep on with that note is. There's po- uh. Hold on. So will killed there's by no proxy. Post- there's no po- postage on the envelope. Or so did the no. proxy. So he either dropped it off at the post office or he dropped it off directly at the at the hospital. No postage on it. It's possibly like, uh, certainly there's less uh, probably less uh, police monitoring at the hospital. Mm-hmm. So they're probably probably safer and easier to literally just drop it off at the hospital. Yeah, um, I agree. He has balls of doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, like didn't they say he already feels invincible and feels like he can do anything? Mm. Anything, mm. anything. No, <laughs> that's me as well. <laughs> this episode makes me hate Will. It's been building because everyone is in danger because of his boner for having the ball. <laughs> All right. But I've used that same Super 8 camera that Dream Will is using on Chilton, and I feel like a film pervert. Because I'm like, damn it, quit calling me out, show! Like, I, I used that Folex. It's like, oh. So didn't, like, uh, Delia use the same thing that Hannibal said to her before? How, like, uh, participation... Yeah. Well, like, it's consent, basically, yeah. Uh, you are not uh, observing, you are participating, and even by observing, you're still participating or yes. something? Yeah. Essentially, yeah, it's yeah. like you're you're essentially taking part. Well, that's the mean way to put it, but <laughs> yes, I guess so. And yeah, so pretty much, yeah, Will took part. But I'm also pissed that Will keeps blaming Ham- Hannibal for stuff he had agency in. Why am I siding with Hannibal? I hate the person I've become. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But we've come a long way since Gideon opened up Chilton in the first season and then when Miriam shot him in season two. I imagine Chilton has a burned throat. He breathed in those flames. He wishes he had enough saliva to spit in Will's face, which I will do for him on his behalf. Because he is like, even if he's alive, it's not a good way. Oh, no. Isn't um, being set on fire like the most painful uh, that there is yeah or experience one of the most painful things yes <laughs> and that's like 90 percent of his body like probably in, internal bleeding internal burnage <laughs> how is he supposed to live after that <laughs> yeah exactly i don't think he's going like in the book uh when this happens to freddie lounge he does not survive he survives long enough to tell them like uh it was a dragon mm. and then he dies and so like we can assume chilton died so oh. I will assume Chilton died. Yeah, I'm assuming he died only because we don't see him again mm-hmm. after this episode. So I mean, we can also use the happier ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's possible he, he lived, but it's a really shitty existence. Yeah. <laughs> so. Like Mason times a thousand, basically. Because uh, he doesn't have people. Like, he probably will have people to look after him, but he will not be able to do anything for himself. But it's also probably a long time waiting, waiting for skin donations, skin yeah. grafts to fix his body and face. You know, it's mm-hmm. like... Yeah, so not many people well. willing to donate skin for that. Yeah, you know, like, let him go just end his suffering. <laughs> go into that sweet good night, sir. So <laughs> it's like let's do a twenty-one gun salute for children. Yeah, because I feel like that'd be more merciful at this point. Yeah, Jesus Christ, <laughs> he can survive anything, that man. But anyway, uh, this episode made me really, really sad because my stomach actually started hurting imagining how scared Reba must be at the end. Uh, yeah. Uh, yet she still has the time to plot her escape. Like, because she's noticing where she is, where she is in terms of the, the house. Like, like she's planning to get out of there. Or at least trying to. And I wanted to cry over the scene, over the line when she tells Francis that they sh- that they should be friends still. And I'm like, oh, like, damn it. Yeah, so I did like that. That was a nice bit of uh, cinematography work. Just to give you that little bit of hints that she's taking notes of where she is. She can smell the flowers. She, she can hear things. Like, all she that. clock, yeah. Yeah, it, I thought that was really cool. But yeah, I also like good survival instincts on Reba's part where she was like I didn't know you cared about me this much but you scared me with this like trying to really downplay the fact that he just fucking kidnapped her yeah you know just mm-hmm. like it's like it's okay you know it's okay you just scared me you know at the same time like it's trying to please him appease him and then yeah so that he won't hurt her but still it's like and yeah confesses to her that he is the dragon yeah. <laughs> I like how he always has to say so it that like way that. each time <laughs> I am the dragon I think he has to say it that way because it's the dragon actually talking. That's what I think. Probably. Separated. Ooh, and um, I, I really like how the dragon's wings look like a painting in that last scene. 
Like, they look like fucking matted. It was great. And I was like, ah. Oh. Oh. I was so mad at him, though, because, you know, he broke up with her to protect her, and then he kidnapped her. What the hell? I wonder, like... <laughs> to protect you, baby. <laughs> In the book, um, she's dating some other guy when he kidnaps her, so I'm wondering if, if that happened in the context of the show. I would really love to know that. Like, I, I am assuming that that probably happened, but still, like, how else like, will the scenes of the next episode happen? But, yeah, well, like... Well, again, I think if they had the chance to do the entire season with uh, just the story arc... We probably would have seen that other guy, but uh, I think just for the sake of blah, 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 it's like, nope, he didn't exist. Here we go. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. So. But we've come to the end of the show, unless you guys have notes that you want to say. No. Just that, you know, Maz Mickelson playing Hannibal sexy, yeah. especially when he's eating other people's blood. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite and least favorite part of this episode and why? Celeste? Um, let's see. My favorite? I know it was overall just a good episode, like. Compared to the beginning of the season, which is more slow, like right now, which doesn't seem fast at all, it seems to be like exciting and interesting as you go, which I really like. Oh, and yeah. also like Freddie Lounge <laughs> being back <laughs> and being awesome again. I love that they brought her back. And least favorites, just the whole thing with Chilton. Like if he, like I say this, he doesn't deserve all this. <laughs> I know he's a brat, but dang. I don't. I like he doesn't deserve any of that. <laughs> How about you, uh, DJ? Excuse me. I would just like to say again. Like go to the page. <laughs> oh. Yes, I remember. Oh, whoops. <laughs> I ruined my own dramaticness. Hold on a second. Well, you're probably going to need to think of this episode. Okay, here we go. So, yeah, my favorite is the first thing that we hear in this, in this episode. Is Hannibal in love with me? It's like, yes! Bitch, he is. <laughs> we all knew this from season one, goddammit. <laughs> but anyway, that probably my favorite. It's just, it just finally made canon, even if not quite in the way most of us like to think, but it's still still canon. Yeah, the game of us. Yeah. And yeah, I would have to say the thing I dislike most is like, you know what, for once I feel really bad for Chilton, but at the same time, like I don't want to say he deserved it just because he's so fame and money grubbing. But at the same time, I don't think anybody deserves to be repeatedly attacked, attacked like that. Even if he used, like, it's his own choice to use his own, uh, you know, uh, past traumas to make money. Like, whatever. If that's what does it for you, sir, that's fine. But, yeah, it's, uh, no, I don't think anyone, no one, I don't care what you've done in this, deserves repeated mm. It's like that, but I just feel so bad for Chilton. No one deserves that. And this is probably worse than all the things that came prior. Yeah, because, like, he got surgery and he got shot in the face. Yeah. But he's, like, living in the burnt husk of his own body and he can't even talk. Yeah. Like, so. ooh. My favorite thing this episode is Raul Esparza uh, acting as Chilton in that scene. Because, like, it would, like, any other actor would, like, have just tried to, try to play it calm. But you can see him being fucking terrified that whole scene because he knows he's probably going to die. He is going to die. And I just love that scene because it's so good. But my least favorite was probably to be at odds with uh, JJ. I did not like the confessional love because it was so melodramatic. <laughs> It's funny to me. It's like an opera. But yeah. Uh, but again, I'm against Hanagram. And I'm like, stop playing the start, Stop being a fan. Service the episode. So, but that was basically me. <laughs> but where can we find you guys on the interwebs? Celeste. I'm just on. You can find me on Tumblr and Instagram at Satuma. S-A-T-U-M-W-A-H. Oh, and you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as JJ Neeps. J-J-N-E-E-P-S. Or you can find me on Instagram as JJ Neepin Films. And you can find me on Twitter as Honey Dash Child, uh, Honey underscore Child. On Tumblr as Honey Dash Child. And you can find us at Hannibal's Horny Hibachi on Tumblr and Instagram. And as HH Hibachi on Twitter. And we will be back next week with the final episode of Hannibal. Oh, it's <laughs> all coming down to yeah. this. It's like, oh man, we're going to have to burn things. We're going to have to, <laughs> yeah, burn, have to burn this book. <laughs> <laughs> and all the books. ghosts will fly yeah. <laughs> but we are excited to see the last episode and yeah like hopefully by the time that we record that episode in a few days mm. uh, they'll announce the movie or something yeah <laughs> say, God willing. I know it's just like I've seen so many teasers on Tumblr from fans who have been like keeping tabs on shit like that and what was it the, the production company that made Hannibal put uh, a little footnote on their Twitter um, put Hannibal season 4 
Oh. Just on the Twitter, though. It doesn't say it anywhere else. It just says it on their Twitter. So they're teasing that maybe they're working on a season four. If season four comes mm-hmm. out, this podcast will return. <laughs> but they have, to, they have quite a few hurdles to get over. Like, they have to get rights to the to the books, right, mm-hmm. to finish it. And then they also need a broadcaster. So yeah. it's like there's a few hurdles to get over. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not as easy as a lot of fans think it is. It's really not. <laughs> It's not. <laughs> Speaking from a filmmaker perspective, it's not. But on that downward note, yeah, <laughs> so we note. will be back. And we will see you guys later. Have a good day. Bye. 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 <laughs>